your Bibles over to that. It's right after 1 Corinthians. That's a lot of help. And uh, it's kind of the first part of the New Testament. We're not that many books into it. Um, I, I've, been, I've been trying to figure out when we're going to finish this series sometime about 2013. No, no, I'm kidding. Sometime next fall. I, I did promise you this. I said in uh, 2011, we're going to cover the New Testament. So I'm not quite as uptight about it as maybe you are, but we're walking through. And today we find ourselves in that wonderful book called Second Corinthians. Actually, uh, Paul probably wrote there four books to the Corinthians. And we only have two that we find in Holy Scripture that were canonized. And these two letters are First and Second Corinthians. And uh, we talked last weekend that there at Corinth was a, a, a great location. They had great affluency. They sit there between the Aegean and the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, it was also, this wasn't so good, it was a sexually saturated society, community, because of the temple prostitutes, the thousand, a number that would come down. But it had a lot of things going for you. It was like, uh, if, if you kind of look at the coastal lines, and it was a center of commerce for Greece and so many great things, it would kind of remind me today, it was a very glamorous city. It, it, it looks a lot like California. I mean, and I know like some of you are like, oh, awesome. And some of you are like, ah, California. But I love California, especially Northern California. That's where David was from last weekend. But it was, but it had its share of problems and it had its woes. Did you know every, every city has problems? Did anybody know that? Even our awesome city, Montgomery. Do you know we even have challenges in Montgomery? Do anybody know that? Some of you are like, oh, what are the upside? Well, I'd be glad to tell you about Montgomery. You know, I grew up here. I love this city. I also understand the challenges of our city. And um, it's always amazing the military that we have year in and year out. I ask them, I go, man, what was your favorite part about Montgomery? And so many times, I don't think they tell me just because I'm the pastor, man, we liked our church, but like we're ready for the next assignment. Okay. But I hope that you enjoy this place while you're here. And for some of you are like, well, I ain't got anywhere else to go, so I'm going to enjoy it all I can. Well, here it is. Paul begins to speak to these people, and he's trying to address some uh, challenges that they had in their days. He was... Uh, trying to make some defenses to them because there were some things that were really going on. There's a, there's a key passage, though. If you look at 2 Corinthians there, turn over to the fourth chapter and look there at verse 1. And basically it just says, it's right across the top, it says, we do not lose heart. Let's say that together. We do not lose heart. You don't lose heart. That's what Paul's trying to tell the people. Hey, there's some good things, there's some awkward things, there's some bad things, there's a defense of the gospel, and God uses Titus certainly in that section when you read the whole letter in context. But God's trying to tell you and I, and I think that's a great word for us to hear today. Don't lose heart wherever you are. Because in this world, Jesus said, you will have problems. You will have many. <laughs> but be of good courage, be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. And the church said a big that's right, man. Jesus already overcome this stuff. So we can be confident. We can trust in him. We can be bold in him. But uh, for some, they're like, man, I, I don't know, man. I, I'm just so discouraged. And I want to give you 10 words or less, a summation of 2 Corinthians. Here it is. Paul defends his ministry to the Corinthian church. He defends who he is, what he's about, what proclamation he makes. He just wants people to know Jesus Christ is Lord, and I'm trying to shout it. I'm trying to let people know about the resurrection. I'm trying to let them know this and that. And he's just speaking all through his letters. And I think Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, is a passionate, the most passionate letter of the Apostle Paul. We're going to kind of flip through some chapters today and speak about some of those, and then I'll probably go back to some others, and I'm probably still going to miss your favorite because I've only got a certain amount of time. But as I look at this, there's, a, there's kind of a rough outline. So write this somewhere on your notes today. Ready? Here's some things that might help you. In the first seven chapters, 
Paul begins to explain his ministry to the Corinthian people. So in those first seven chapters, he's trying to defend, he's trying to explain, he's trying to update them, he's trying to help them out, and he's trying to give them insights. And one of the things that Paul gives them insight on is suffering. Has anybody suffered lately? Sure. I mean, if we all held our hands up where we could, we'd go, yeah, I know what it is to suffer. So Paul talks to a suffering people, to a suffering church. Another thing, he gives... Uh, a great insight about forgiving, how important it is that we forgive one another and how we reconcile. Then he goes on, he talks about not losing heart that we just said. And then he talks about the ministry of reconciliation, which I'll cover at the end of this message because I think it's one of the uh, heart thrusts of the Apostle Paul in Corinthians. And then he goes on in, the, in these first seven chapters and he just gives sources of encouragement and he tries to encourage the body. But if you go to the second section, you see that in 8 and 9, Paul encourages generosity. Y'all be a, a, a generous people. Give to it hurts. Give liberally. Give cheerfully. Give in a way. Uh, imitate the Macedonians. Be like them. Man, they, they gave. They gave to it hurt. They, they gave fully. And then he, he kind of wraps up that section there about be motivated. Motivate others, but be motivated by your generosity. Uh, Jesus said, if you want to find your life, you got to lose it. It's better to give than to Wait a minute, I don't think you believe it. It's better to give than... Yeah. How many like being on the receiving end? Come on, you can raise your hands. It's okay, God won't zap you. How many like being on the receiving end? Be honest. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, just don't be a hypocrite. Just the ones that held their hands up. Hold your hands up. All the rest of you, you don't have to buy them gifts anymore. Birthdays, Christmases, they, they don't care. They're like, no, nah, man. Receiving. Okay. But Jesus, he really tries to set us up and he goes, right, no, but really, if you want to be blessed, if you really want to know my heart, you're going to be a giver. And we know what, you know, when we give, we receive something, don't we? We receive satisfaction. We receive joy. I think we receive the blessing of God. I, I love to give. Uh, I'm learning to give more and more over the years that I've walked with Christ. But one of the things that Don and I decided from the first day of our marriage, we were going to be tithers. We were going to be givers. We, we knew that this was God's word and that God's word works. And so we've been giving for the whole time that we've been married. It would be 30, 32. Yeah. Man, that's the first time I've ever done that. I had to go 32. Yeah, 32. Seems, seems like 10. But we, we've been married 32 years this August. And, man, we just said, God, this is a holy habit. And we know that it's blessed. And as we get older, we're finding it's even more blessed to give, to bless others. And I pray that you give of your tithes, you give of your offerings. I pray you give of your life. Did you hear what I said? You give of your life. Paul begins to say, man, be a generous people. In chapter 10 through 13, Paul now comes in and he goes, now I'm going to be the enforcer. I'm going to enforce my authority. I'm an apostle. I'm a spiritual leader here. I'm going to defend my ministry. I'm going to refute the false apostles, the apostates of the day that were filling the land. And you read Jude and you read other books. But he goes, I'm going to come against these people. And then he finishes up. He says, now I'm going to give you warnings and greetings and I'm going to touch it. But in chapter 7, in, uh, the Second Corinthians chapter 4, I want you to look at 8 and 9. Look at 8 and 9. I love this. We used to sing a song right here about this. But I want you to just look on the screen with me. We are hard-pressed on every side. Can anybody identify you? Hard-pressed, but not crushed. Here's one of my favorite words if you ever hang around Pastor Keith. People ask me, how are you? Perplexed. It's a biblical word. But not in despair. 
persecuted. Remember when we did the sermon, uh, uh, sermon on the Mount? We talked about blessed are they that are persecuted. He says, not in despair, persecuted, but not what? Not what? Abandoned. How many are glad God doesn't abandon you this morning? Yeah, that's great news. God does not leave you to make it through this life on your own. So you're not abandoned. You're struck down. Anybody ever been struck down? I don't mean physically like, I don't want anybody to stand up and say, yeah, my wife hit me or my husband. No, no, no I'm not talking. Struck down, but not destroyed. I want, you to, I want you to circle this in your Bible. I want you to go back to it. Next time you're going through a hard time, I want you to know that Paul's already talking to you about conflict and suffering and anguish and pain and being pressed and being crushed and being in despair and being persecuted. And yet he gives, he gives hope in the middle of that. You're saying, well, you sound so enthusiastic like you're excited. No, no, I, I didn't say I was excited about living this out. I'm just saying my God's with me. Your God's there. Your God is not abandoning you. When you know Jesus Christ personally, you have a Lord to live with, a Lord to walk with. It is, it is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that we have the honor of having when we come to know the Father. And he walks through. So we're uh, like, uh, here we go. How many of you read The Cat in the Hat when you were little? You read it to your kids. Okay. I, I, I should have probably done the graphics here, but I want you to know something I found out. The first 27 publishers turned him down. Then it went on to sell 28 million copies. I bet they felt like fools. Then there was this guy. He wears a white suit, white hair, glasses, and some facial white hair here. And, 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 and it has to do something with chicken. What's his name? Colonel Sanders. I read about him. He was rejected 1,000 times. And then at the age of 75, I think he sold his recipe for $15 million. And all if you go through history, you see that people get rejected, they get persecuted, they get knocked down, and then they get up. And, and these are just some kind of secular people, but a lot of times when you get knocked down, it's an opportunity to get back up. And if you will follow great people, I want you to write this down in your notes. There's a thread. Every time a great person gets knocked down, they get back up. So when you get knocked down in life, don't lay there. Get back up and say, with my God, with his strength, with his power, I'm going to overcome. Uh, when we, we used to sing the song, Trade in My Sorrows. We can trade all that in. We can have the great exchange. I think that's part of the Christian life is that I exchange my sin for his grace. I exchange my sin for his mercy. I exchange my weakness for his power. That's the Christian life. It's to walk with Christ. It's to follow Christ. So the Apostle Paul begins to speak all through this and about being hard-pressed and doing this. But when he talks about generous... I just want to say this to you today. I wrote about it in Family Builder, but I know only 12 of you read it. And then another 75 of you were coerced to read it. So at best, 100 are going to read it out of 300 or so folks. So I hope you'll read it. But I want to just tell you, we're going to do something here this year, and I hope it's a huge Sunday. On May the 8th, I want you to write this down. Teenagers, write this down. I'm helping you out right now. May the 8th is Mother's Day. And all the moms said, oh, isn't that wonderful? And May the 8th is Mother's Day. We're going to do the coolest thing we've ever done. We're going to sponsor children that day for Jesus Christ. We're going to have Compassion Sunday here. $38 a month, we're going to sponsor kids. We've done that in our family. Our kids do that. You know, I've talked about our little Collins in Africa that I met in November. But we're going to invite you to sponsor kids. And for Mother's Day, you can have this long-giving legacy. Let me tell you what $38 does a month. For $38... Your child in whatever country he's in, he will get vaccinations. 
He or she will get medicine that they need. He or she will get to go to school. He or she will get clothes. They'll get an education. And then they have the royal honor and privilege to hear the gospel over and over and be discipled in Jesus Christ. For $38 a month, we make an investment. So I just want to go ahead and tell you, it's part of God's heart. God was talking to Macedonia there, and they were so generous, and he's talking to us. I'm trying to forecast it, and this makes no sense. Our church is struggling. We're mission-minded. We will be to Jesus comes. Financially, we're having challenges. And I'm thinking, God, this makes no sense. But let me tell you, this makes all the sense because this is our Father's heart, and this should be above our time, and we should be a generous people. And the house of God said, church, I hope you'll really pray about sponsoring kids. We're going to have a whole bunch of them here on this altar or wherever that day are on tables around the room. May the 8th, it's coming. Man, I'm excited about what we could do to release kids from poverty in Jesus' name. God, thank you for generosity. Thank you for what you want to do. And there's a word here. I want you to see in the middle of your page. It says, the word for confident appears in 2 Corinthians more than any other book in the Bible. God wants us to be confident followers of him. And it appears 10 times, write it in, it appears 10 times right here. So God's trying to drive that theme that I want you to be confident people. I don't want you to be weak. I don't want you to miss the mark. I don't want you to fall off. I want you to have confidence. And confidence not in yourselves, but confidence in the Lord. And you say, God, I trust you. But then the word bold. He says, be bold. He uses that three times. Last weekend, David preached about being a a fearless uh, faith being a fearless follower of Jesus Christ. And God says, I want to make you bold. And I don't want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. In the message, it says, we're not about to throw up our hands and walk off the job just because we run into occasional hard times. And that's what weak people do. That's what people that don't have the confidence and the boldness and the authority of Jesus Christ, they just walk off. They just quit. They just throw their hands. That's too hard. I'm telling you, We have the supernatural ability. We have the power of the Holy Spirit when we're in Christ. And that means that power works in us. And it produces confidence and it produces boldness. And we don't have to throw our hands up and we can walk all the way home. Just this week, an old friend of mine from many years ago, Stephanie and Gary's father, lost his fight with cancer. 56 years of age and was called home to glory but thanks be to god who gives us the victory through jesus christ amen you know it it didn't matter about everything it's just like being confident in god being confident in my relationship being bold in him i I, I want to do something maybe this will set it up for you i hadn't done prop in a long time it's time for the pastor to have a prop ready oh goodness now this is my favorite drink mountain dew but i know there's words across the top they say caffeine free and somebody said what's the point <laughs> i just like the way it tastes but there it is so there's a there's that one and then here's here's some of your favorite drinks i'd rather drink muddy water diet coke now in, in these two you know i'm sitting there looking at these cans and you know, they, they just like simple cans, and, you know, there's going to be some differences. And, and I can take this can, and I've been working out. I want you to watch this. Man, strength right here on this stage because I have the power of the Holy Ghost within me. Really, a weak person could have done that. You know what? 
there was, there was nothing in there, was it? It wasn't very hard. Some external pressure came, and I crushed it. Some of you were impressed. <laughs> Most of you weren't. I'm not very impressed. But then, this one, that's like a lot of you. You're pretty empty on the inside. You're not filled with very much of God's spirit and his love and his power. But then, this one. Now, I don't want to force too much strength. I might show my strength up here and it could explode. Matt, you're a world champion. Could you, could you do it, man? You know, it's just not working. You know what the difference is? It's Mountain Dew. No, you know what the difference is? That's why y'all should drink this. The difference is this one's full. In the external pressure that comes, there's internal source in there that fills it. And that, inter- that internal source is Jesus Christ that wants to fill us and give us power to overcome. Even though we're perplexed, even though we're, uh, all these things come against us in life, we don't have to be struck down. We can overcome because we have the power of God within us as Christ followers. And you're saying, what does Jesus have to do with a Mountain Dew? Well, the illustration, I think, will, will preach to us this morning because I think, I think it just says, hey, I, I, you, you know, your life could be ruined this morning. Your future might look bleak. You might be wrecking your life. I, I don't know, but... I know this, external pressures are always going to come on your life and mine. They come every day, they come every week, they come every month, they come every year, but they're going to come. Sometimes they come in form of diseases, sometimes they come in form of a teenager comes and mom and dad says, I'm pregnant. Sometimes they come and say, hey, I got kicked out of school, hey, I did this, I did that. I don't know what it is, but all these external things come and you just, you don't make it. You just, you just collapse. And yet when we're filled with the power of God... We have the ability to stand and to be strong. And I want us to look at the first point right now, inner strength. That's what the Apostle Paul tells us. There's inner strength in Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 4.1, therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. We don't lose heart because we have God. And we don't have to uh, fail. We don't have to fall down and not get back up. We're, we're knocked down, but we get back up and we're crushed. Like this morning, many of you are being crushed by the economy. I'm being crushed by the economy. But some of you are in a lot tougher place than I am. And this economy looks tough. And gasoline's going up. And I've not seen anybody out going, praise the Lord. Because I think you're crazy or something. I mean, every time I look at the gas pump, and, it, and, and there for a few weeks it was going up like a dime from the morning to the afternoon. And I'm going, man, what are they doing? It's a conspiracy. How many think it's a conspiracy? And you just go, no, man, it's falling apart. And Paul says, I've been thrashed. I've been hit. I've been shipwrecked. I've been all these things have gone against me. I've been knocked down, but I'm not knocked out. And he kept coming. So he said, God gives us this ministry for the love of Christ compels me there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 14 and 15, because we're convinced that one died for all. Therefore, all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. That's the glorious hope of the gospel. Christ doesn't stay dead. He resurrects. He rises up. He dwells. He, he fills. He, he sits at the right hand of the Father. It's like, God, thank you. Here's the deal. You and I cannot fa- afford to fall apart. You can't fall apart. I want somebody to hear that word today. You just can't fall apart. People are counting on you. 
Kids are counting on you. There's ministry to be done. Oh, you have the choice. You can fall apart and you'd be like my sorry Diet Coke can. Or man, you can be a Mountain Dew. And you go, I'm not going to fall apart, man. I'm going to rise up. I'm going to fight with the power of Jesus Christ. I'm going to overcome. And whatever life, you bring it on life because me and God, we're going to win. Hey, that's all I get is amen. One person. You got it, Doug. Bless you. Doug's a guest and he already gets it. So me and Doug going to have the rest of this sermon together. And everybody else said, she said, Doug's his favorite. He is this morning. Okay. Rise up. I mean, can we just be so honest? Has, does anybody ever get discouraged? Just raise your hand. Just look around at all the testimonies. Yeah, I get discouraged. I've been in my office just crying all week and depressed and didn't think I could come out here this week. Not. Now, I, I can get pretty low during the week. I, I can get beat up by the devil just like you. But I've got a choice, and my choice is I rise up in the strength of Jesus Christ, and so can you. And Paul says, don't lose heart. Man, you've got something to do. You're his ambassador. Don't stay down. The calling's too important. Your impact, impact others by your actions. Your life speaks. Your life matters. I want you to hear this. Like, God, I have to. And he says, you receive mercy. You receive encouragement. God is merciful. Receive it. Quit beating yourself up. Allow the mercy of God to move forward in your life. Some of you, this morning, your, your spiritual gift, which is not a spiritual gift, you just beat yourself up. Can I give you permission today? Quit beating yourself up. It is not spiritually attractive. Matter of fact, you know, you women that came in, y'all having like a nice dress or a nice blouse, and you put your makeup on, and you did your hair and whatever, and people say, oh, you look so nice. But if you came in just like you didn't care, you'd be like, I mean, you wouldn't go up just like, you're not very attractive, but you, you, you see what I'm saying? You're like, oh, well, I think she spent time. Or like, who goes and looks in a mirror and just walks away? I mean, guys, when y'all look in a mirror, what do you do? <laughs> we laugh. I mean, what, what do we do when we look in a mirror, guys? <laughs> Thank you. He's confident. Okay, what, what do y'all do? You look in a mirror and you do something. You, you know, you straighten your hair. You, you do this. You, you wipe the food off your mouth, you know. You clean your nose out because nobody told you. I don't know what you do. Hopefully you do something spiritually though are we attractive is the world looking at us and going man there is something new and different about that person and i pray it's the inward work of the holy spirit that's what paul said man don't lose heart man rise up man be what god wants you to be and let's keep going here so quit beating yourself up number three god has greater purposes You've suffered in the past, chapter 1, he talks about suffering, and then he goes on through here and he goes, man, you've suffered intensely, face them head on. And look at the two things it does. When we suffer, it develops compassion. When you go through a hard time, you empathize and you identify with somebody else in their pain. All the painful things in my life are my greatest ministry strengths. Of being broken, of being hurt, of being wounded of being abandoned by not having parents at nine years of age, losing my mom, losing my dad two years before we started the church. Those are strengths for me to minister out of the lostness because it develops compassion. So suffering produces compassion, and we become compassionate because of what we receive. We receive the mercy of God. Look at the second one. We develop faith and obedience. There in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, let's turn over there. Look at verse 8 and 9. 
We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we were despaired even of the life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. Does that sound like a very hopeful position? No. But this happened that we might not what? Underline this in your Bible. We might not rely on ourselves, but we might rely on God. That's what God wants to do for you and me this morning. He wants us to rely on him. Not on yourself. You're saying, but, but Keith, I'm bright. Keith, I'm this, I'm that. I mean, hey, uh, JR, where you at, man? You stud. Where you at, JR? Where's he at? You know what JR did the other day? He played baseball where I did. So he did what I didn't do. JR hit a home run Friday. Isn't that cool? Put your hands together and just thank God for that talent. JR, that's cool, man. Yeah. That's awesome, man. You, you just knocked it out of the ballpark. I mean, you know, and, and, you, and you got up and you, you just kind of did your thing. And, it, man, I'm just, I'm just so proud of you. Here we go. Look at this. Develop faith and obedience. In, in, the, in the Hebrew, it's shahak. It means when, when, you, when you lose faith, you get bent over, downcast, despaired. I read a psalm to you on purpose. I read Psalm 42 to you about why are you disturbed, oh, my soul? Why are you downcast? In other words, they were bent over. They, they were almost worthless. They were consumed. There was no energy. There was no life. That's why when you read the Psalms, you see somebody that's in worse shape than you are. How many get encouraged by that? Have you ever noticed that when somebody else has got worse news than you, then you're like, I mean, it's kind of sick when you think about it. Man, your life is so bad, I'm feeling really good. And they're going, gee, I'm finding great joy in you. And, and so you're, let me give you a little spiritual tip. Don't tell them that. Just go home and go, God, thank you that my life's a little different than theirs, but hey, I could be there and pray for them and encourage them and help them. And don't rely on yourself, but rely on God. I mean, we, we do get discouraged, but some of us, we're like the t-shirt I bought one time many years ago. I, I just had, I couldn't resist. I'm too blessed to get stressed, and I wore it for a summer. And, and the girls would laugh, and they're like, Dad. And here's, here's a shirt some of you wear. I'm too anointed to be disjointed. That is, like, whatever. I mean, you know, man, it's life. And life is hard, isn't it? Life will crush you. Life will put you in the toilet sometime. And all God's people said, yeah. I mean, you go ahead. Somebody be like, oh, I couldn't tell the Father that it's really hard down here. Okay, go ahead and be a fake and lie about it. Or go ahead and just admit to him, God, this is really impossible. See, I think we serve a God that loves impossible situations. When you have an impossible situation, or I want you to write this down. This is bonus material. When you... Uh, have an impossible situation, you're a candidate for a miracle. So when really crappy, <laughs> that's a Greek word, when really those kind of things happen, you're a candidate for something great in your life. Oh, God, come. It's not Greek. I, I just said that, okay? It's, it's really not. Unless Mark finds it in seminary this year. We didn't ever find it. Okay. And then he begins to, to talk to us about the... Uh, Walking alongside. I want you to see something. You got to turn back to Second Corinthians one. Oh, I love this. I was doing some study on this. In chapter one, verse three, praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as a suffering of Christ flow over into our lives, so all through Christ. Our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in the sufferings, so also you shall share in our comfort. 
Nine times the word comfort is used or comforted. You think Paul was limited? No, he had a brilliant mind. He knew some translations use the word trouble. Some translations use the word afflictions. And, and, and so when, when afflictions come, when trouble comes your way, God wants to comfort you through his son, through the spirit. And I want you to write this down. I want you to remember this. No sorrow in your life, no suffering in your life ever needs to be wasted. Those hard times can help define you. And they define your character. They help mold you. They help. Um, uh, when you read in the Greek here, when it says they're afflicted, they're in trouble, it means they're squeezed like a grape. And then they're poured out as an offering. God wants to squeeze you and me in our sufferings, in our afflictions. And out of that, somehow, in, later in Corinthians, it becomes a fragrant offering, a fragrant aroma to the king. But only after he has crushed us and squeezed us and, and he does, there, there's a word here, it's, uh, it's meke. But it, it, we read it, it goes mace, M-A-C-E. Anybody ever had a bottle of mace? You girls, y'all carry mace? Mace. Mace is interesting. It's a little little bottle, little thing you put on your keychain. We got it for our girls. And uh, you spray it and you can mess somebody's day up really bad. I mean, girls, if you don't believe that or guys, just go home and spray mace in your face. Your eyes will burn for a long time. Don't do that. That's really dumb, okay? And, and so the, the, the mace here, you, it, 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 means to, it means to create, uh, the, the word um, McKay means to have great conflict. And there we read about a people, they were called the Mace Adonians. Really, in Greek, when you study this, you're like, really? That's where we get it from, Mace Adonia. And you know why? Because Macedonia was in great conflict. It was settled under, uh, I think, King Philip. He was the son, I believe, of Alexander the Great. And there was great conflict to win that territory. And because of that, um, he named it. Macedonia, like, man, this is conflict. And we're going to have conflict in this world. We're going to have tribulation. We're going to have hard times. And, and yet, I want you to see another word. I looked this up in the Greek. In verse, there you go, in verse 3, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. I looked it up in the Greek, and guess what all means? All. I mean, it means everyone. I mean, you're like, that's the best you got? On the word all, that's the best I got, okay? And how many of you are grateful that God comforts in every single conflict, trial, affliction you go through? God wants to comfort you there. What if it said, I will comfort you in these top 25, but those you're on your own? That's not what God says. So we find comfort. We find strength firsthand. Your experiences, you experience ridicule, rejection, abuse. 1 Corinthians, uh, you, you, Look at, here you go. Turn over 1 Corinthians with me quickly. Oh, man, I got too much material. 1 Corinthians 12, 26. If one part suffers, he's talking about the body, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. We ought to rejoice together. We ought to suffer together. We ought to share together. We ought to go, God, we're your body. We're going to go through this together and have your way, Heavenly Father. God, do something amazing in us. Now, I want you to go down to the fourth one. God has better days ahead. God has better days ahead for the Macedonians. But for us this morning, God has better days ahead for us. Let's look at this together. There's point A, future resurrection. That's the hope of a Christ follower. We have 
a resurrection that is sure, that is confident, that we can be bold in because of Jesus Christ has gone before us and he's provided a way to the Father. And yet, in that day, they were debating about the resurrection. Was it real or not? And in some ways, there are people around the world today that are still debating the resurrection. But let me say this. The resurrection right beside that is the central doctrine tenet of faith is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ was not resurrected as he said he was, let's all leave right now because we're simply wasting our time. But because he was resurrected, because he did conquer death, it's the greatest use of our time. So we have to look beyond our troubles of this world. We have to, here it is, we look to Jesus. And as we fix our eyes on Jesus, we gain hope. We, uh, Paul knew what it was to be a suffering saint. Look at point B. In chapter 4, look there with me, chapter 4, look at verse 15. He says, all this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. I love this. It says in this one, people are reached. People are reached with our witness. People are reached in our pain, in our trials, in our sufferings. And you and I all say, well, God, let's circle the word grace. Circle the word people. Circle in that, in that verse the word grace and circle the word people. You know what? I like grace and I like people. How about you? I love the grace of God. I love the people of God. And God says, overpopulate. I don't think we can overpopulate. Let's populate heaven because of our witness. Let's let it overflow in our account. So the future resurrection, people will reach. Look at point C. There's an inward renewal and strength of God that comes as Christ followers. Uh, I want you to look at 2 Corinthians. Look there with me. Chapter 4. I want you to turn over to verse 16 with me quickly. Therefore... We do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. When I was a youth pastor, I had the honor of bringing David, David Dravecki to our city. And uh, I got to spend time with Dave, got to pick him up in the car and got to have breakfast with him. And uh, you know who Dave Dravecki is? Played baseball for who? For the Giants. It's a stud, man, he could throw a ball. He got cancer, and he had to be amputated right here. And uh, so kind of ended his career, okay? And uh, Dave's, Dave's in the car. And I remember when I went over to pick him up, he came out with a towel. Now, hey, guys, let's just be honest. The pastor can tie a towel, okay? I know I just don't wear them here, but I wear them weddings, funerals, and championships, but okay. But he came out with a towel, and... I'd already met him the day before, so I, I was intrigued with the tie. I was like, how does he do this? I mean, LeBaron, I mean, I know you look pretty sharp at, at work, but bro, can you imagine tying a tie? Ben you, ben, you always got a tie on. You look good. But can you imagine tying a tie with one hand? So I'm so dumb, I asked him. I said, Dave, how'd you tie your tie? And I never will forget his response. He, he reached his other hand up. And he did this. It had elastic in it. He just slid it down, put it up. I thought that was the coolest thing. I thought we ought to sell those. We can market those and make lots of money. But here's why I tell you about Dave Dravecki. Not to be a name dropper. I was sitting with him with some guys. And he started telling his testimony. And almost a lot of the Bibles I have, I write up beside chapter 4, verse 16, Dave Dravecki. Let's look at it again. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. And Dave Dravecki said, Keith, 
That's my life verse. He says, you see my body? I'm a major league athlete. I make tons of money. I was a star. Life was great. And I'm amputated. He says, I'm literally wasting away day by day. But then he said this, but inwardly I'm being renewed by my creator day by day. And I just looked at the giant of a man and went, Dave Dravecki, you rock. I thought, God, that's the truth. So whatever we go through in this life, even though we outwardly seem to waste away, we can inwardly be renewed. Is that a good truth, church? And then I want to share this with you, D, heavenly rewards. He promises heavenly rewards to us in chapter 4, verse 18. And God can use our brokenness and he can help us through that. But, uh, you know, this man, I've got another 30 minutes and I, I just got to quit. But I hope today that somebody found some comfort from the Lord. I pray you found some strength. I pray you found some direction. And I pray you'll lean into this book and you'll read more of it. We're going to sing a great song to close out. Jeff and some of the band are going to come back. It's called God of the City. And God talks about heaven and our citizenship is in heaven. And he talks about future rewards. But greater than all that, I pray that in this life now, that God would be the God of our city, the God of our region, and that we would lift him high. Um, and I want to talk to you about the ministry of reconciliation. Maybe I'll come back and just do a special message on that. It's a huge message at one time. Jeff, we need to stand, don't we? Let's all stand where we are this morning. Let's, let's sing with Jeff, and this will be our closing song today.
would just worship you in this place, God. And I just thank you this morning that we can sing this great truth, Lord, that there is one day hope when we're in heaven with you, God. That as we are passing away here on this earth, Lord, and we're not going to make it, we're not going to last here in our earthly bodies, but Lord, that one day we will be present with you. But God, until that day that we would strive, Lord, to put all our hope and all our trust in you, God, as there is no one like you, God, and you will be there with us. So as we leave from this place, God, will we just focus on you, God, as you provide. It's in your great name we pray. Amen.